business, government, religion, family issues, and more. Find it all right here on 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, January 25th. It never gets old, the sight of bald eagles at Lake of the Ozarks during the winter, flying down from treetops to hunt for fish, and now kids and adults alike can search for eagles using a mobile device combined with real-world experiences. Missouri Conservation has teamed up with Agents of Discovery to create a free mobile game. The app uses augmented reality to help users become outdoor detectives and discover nature. You can complete challenges or mini-games to learn about Missouri's forest, fish, and wildlife. For more information, go to mdc.mo.gov. A Fulton woman was injured on Friday in a crash on Highway 17. 58-year-old Robert Schof was driving a 2011 Jaguar when the vehicle went off the road and hit a tree. 38-year-old Amy Crosby, a passenger in the vehicle, had moderate injuries, and the driver had minor injuries. They were both taken by ambulance to Lake Regional Hospital. The lake real estate market just continues to grow at an unbelievable rate, with real estate sales doubling in only two years. In 2020, lake real estate rocketed past the billion-dollar mark for the first time. 2021 brought even more growth, hitting nearly $1.5 billion. No one knows what 2022 may hold, but realtors say they don't expect this hot market to cool down anytime soon. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com lake news events boating and the lake life lakeexpo.com portions of the programming on key radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents second homeowners visitors and the boating community to the lake of the ozarks lake expo features real estate and boats for sale upcoming events at the lake and their exclusive boating club x-toe download the free lake expo app on the app store and google play lakeexpo.com the lake's trusted news source Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. College hoops tonight. Both Mizzou and the MSU Bears are busy. Mizzou Tigers uh, come off a loss to Alabama over the weekend. They're home to second-ranked and 18-1 and Auburn tonight. Yeah, that's not going to be an easy one at all for Mizzou, who has been up and down, mostly down all year long. MSU Bears come off a big win. They knocked off 22nd-ranked Loyola Chicago over the weekend on the road tonight. They're on the road to play Indiana State. The uh, Indiana State team just 8-10 and 10 on the season. Mizzou 14-6. and 6. Gonzaga has suspended NBA Hall of Famer John Stockton's season tickets because he refuses to bow down to the school's mask mandate. Stockton's number 12 jersey has been retired there at Gonzaga. Stockton described the conversation he had with the school as congenial, 
but not pleasant. High school basketball this week. Most of the local schools playing at the annual Eldon Tournament. Of course, Eldon hosting their 91st annual Eldon Tournament. Osage is there. Versailles is there this week. Camdenton playing this week in Bolivar at the Liberator Tournament. Next live high school basketball game on Lake TV. Versailles and Osage. That is a week from Friday, February 4th. Again, that's on Lake TV. And you can see Versailles coach Jason Allison featured on this week's high school basketball coaches show on Lake TV every day at 10, 2, and 6. St. Louis Blues coming up short, losing last night at Calgary. They'll be at home Thursday against that same Flames team. Well, everybody's still in shock over the Chiefs' comeback win over the Bills in overtime Sunday night. 42-36 looked like they had lost the game. They gave up a touchdown with 13 seconds to go, but Patrick Mahomes... Being Patrick Mahomes found a way to bring him back for a game-tying field goal, and then they win it in overtime. So the Chiefs at 14-5 and on the season now will be at home against the number four seed Bengals. Bengals are 11-7, and and uh, kind of the upstart. Don't overlook these Bengals. They're really good. Remember, they beat the Chiefs in the second-to-last game of the regular season. So it's the Chiefs and Bengals Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock for the AFC Championship. Right after that, the 49ers will be at the Rams for the NFC Championship game. What a weekend it was last weekend. Every game coming down to the last second of regulation and of course the Chiefs having to go overtime to find a winner there. Hey, remember KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin. KB Burns 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, 11 at night. Lake TV bringing you five local Lake Area shows. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Road and Fire Stick streaming live on MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. She's a former Camdenton resident, Hollywood actress, and pop culture expert. Tina Griffin helps parents safely navigate the current pop culture chaos, know how to create a healthy media diet for your family, and live as a counterculture warrior. Listen to the Counterculture Mom Show. Fridays and Sundays at 5 a.m., 1 p.m., and 9 p.m. on Key Radio, 89.3 FM. Happy to be the Lake Sounding Board. 
Community Radio for the Lake of the Ozarks. It's 89.3, the key. And welcome in. Good morning. 8.07 is our time. 13 degrees. And as I've heard numerous people say today, what a difference a day makes. Yesterday we were at, uh, in the we were in the 40s. We were about 40, 41 degrees. So we're not uh, expecting a day that's going to be uh, extremely warm. No, probably about 30 degrees for the high. But we will have plenty of sunshine. So I guess if you want to be positive about the weather forecast, uh, that is about as good as it's going to get sunshine. And then we'll drop down to 11 for the overnight low. Back up to 36 for the high tomorrow with sunshine and uh, a low of 27. Clouds on Thursday, high 44, low 23. 34 on Friday with a low of 21 and plenty of sunshine. Sunny and 47 on Saturday with a low of 31. And then on Sunday we'll hit a high of 47, a low of 27, plenty of sunshine. Looks like next week is uh, rather promising to start. We'll have uh, low to mid-50s Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then kind of get uh, situated back into more winter-like uh, temperatures. 808, 13 degrees in Camdenton on a uh, beautiful, sunshiny uh, Tuesday morning, the 25th day of January 2022. What's happening over there at Bagnell Dam? Well, let's find out. As far as things go, uh, that lake level has been hovering right around 658, and uh, that's essentially where it is this morning, 658.71. River level at 553.43. The discharge rate is up considerably, so I would imagine uh, now the official winter drawdown has begun. So again, as we've reminded you plenty of times over the last couple of months to take the proper precautions, hopefully you've done that, and uh, your deck and anything uh, along the water is secure so that uh, you don't have any issues or any problems. Again, uh, still time to maybe call your uh, dock builder or uh, make sure that uh, there's an electrician close by that might be able to check things for you. Uh, but you'll certainly want to do that again when they uh, bring the lake back up. 8.09 is our time, and there's an organization here at the Lake of the Ozarks. Um, I'm very fond of what the uh, folks with this organization are doing because uh, it is something that a lot of a lot of folks will tell you that it, it doesn't exist here at the Lake of the Ozarks. Well, I know that uh, it does. As a matter of fact, uh, on a personal level, I know someone who was involved in human trafficking here at the Lake of the Ozarks. And it was someone... Uh, who wasn't a victim, but someone who was involved with a group of people who were trying to groom young people to get involved in human trafficking. And that person has since uh, been arrested and is uh, serving time in prison for their uh, activity. But as I said, it does exist here. And, you know, there's a lot of folks who want to stop it and make people aware of it and make sure that people are properly trained. So if you feel as though there is something that is uh, kind of out of the ordinary, and you're concerned, maybe you know some of the signs to look for. Uh, they're a group that you can get involved with. It's the Lake of the Ozarks Stop Human Trafficking Coalition. And joining us this morning is Mr. Jeff Green. Good to see you again. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing very good, and I uh, appreciate you taking time uh, this morning to come in. I know you've got uh, kind of a busy morning, so we'll get you in, get you out, get you on your way. But the main thing we want to do here this morning is really kind of spread the word about the organization because... Uh, uh, as is the case with a lot of organizations, you try to help out as many people as you can. Funding can be an issue, but I think uh, the more community awareness uh, that we can get out there about what it is you're doing through Lake of the Ozarks, the uh, Stop Human Trafficking Coalition, maybe you can find some partners and uh, eventually kind of get to the point where you want to be. I, w- I would agree with you, Kevin. We, um, As a member of the Lake of the Ozarks Stop Human Trafficking Coalition, We've been trying for several years um, to at least 
bring awareness uh, and educate the community about what human trafficking is and, mm-hmm. and what to look for. Um, and, and really, one of the things that, that we have uh, really have a goal in mind of accomplishing is to try and get into the schools, get the, get the children educated. Right. And I'm not talking about young children. We're talking about teenagers for the most part, middle school teenagers. Um, get the parents educated so they know what to look for with their children uh-huh. um, and just get some community awareness out there that we're here and, and trying to help. You know, and it seems like there's a certain type of person, a certain type of young person that traffickers kind of gravitate towards, somebody who might be, uh, you know, just more of an introvert, somebody who's uh, uh, kind of off to themselves. Um, and, and, and there are different sets of circumstances surrounding uh, what these traffickers look for, but you certainly want all kids to be aware of what's going on, so that uh, if one of their uh, one of their friends doesn't notice it, maybe they will. And uh, y- you know, I guess there's different ways of doing that. Uh, as far as the education process, uh, is there a method to get into the classroom to try and 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 reach out to kids? Uh, there is, and of course, you know, we like to work with the school boards. We need to make sure the school boards are on on board with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to, you know, obviously need to work with the administration. Um, scheduling these kinds of activities are, are always difficult, making sure that everyone's on board. We have actually brought in uh, guest speakers from outside the area, people that are, you know, this is their passion, this is their life, this is what they do, is educate children. Um, and, and our coalition is well, is more than willing to fund uh, bringing in guest speakers to do exactly that. Right. Uh, we've got one mind that, that does a fantastic job with, with middle school and high school kids. He just relates well with them. He'll usually come in uh, the, the day before, the night before, uh, and have a session with for parents, strictly for parents, and educate the parents as to what's going on, what the program's about, what to look for. Uh, and then it really helps when the next day he'll meet with the, the children. Usually does it in a gymnasium-type setting, so there's you know uh, an assembly of some sort. Right. And that way the... Uh, the children get a, a, a first-hand feel of what to look for, what not to look for, um, what the consequences of their actions are, and, and really what I'm talking about primarily related to Internet-type activities. The social media these days has, as we all know, has just gone crazy, and, and our children are on the phone all the time doing all kinds of things, much of which is fine, um, but that's where much of the activity is going on, and he will educate parents and children as to what to look for uh, and caution them as to what they're doing and what they're not doing. Right. That seems to be the big issue, the big problem, is how these people initially reach out to young people, and social media seems to be the easiest and most viable uh, way to do so. I think that, you know, as much as we want to be able to protect our kids, there are, uh, there are people out there that uh, know the ins and outs. They know how to get to them. They know the things to say. They know the questions to ask. Uh, and eventually, uh, I would, w- would imagine it graduates from being something on social media to an actual meeting in person where the, you know, the, the person is trying to desperately get the, uh, uh, the child, I say child, the kids to, uh, to meet up with them someplace or, you know, whatever that they can do to, to reach out and, and get these kids to, uh, uh, I, what, what's, what would be the right word here as far as get them to accept uh, what it is they're trying to do, what it is that they want from these kids, and then eventually they 
they end up in the uh, sex, maybe it's sex trafficking, maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, ha- having to do with labor. Yeah, and labor trafficking is an issue. Um, it's one of those things that, that we do bring some attention to. Our focus has been on the sex trafficking, right. which is typically where, where children are going to, at least sure. here in the U.S. Um, you know, the, the confidence that, that these individuals will build with their relationship over the Internet with these children, uh, you know, they develop that that very very personal relationship with them on the internet um, which which a child that's seeking approval um, I mean we've all I'm gonna say all of us I think all of us uh, that are listening today have been through being teenagers and we know what that is and and life is difficult as a teenager Uh, you know it's been a couple years for me but I I haven't forgotten that Um, and, and so there's you know it's easy to gain the confidence of a teenager that's looking for attention um and this doesn't this this can be in all ec- socioeconomic status. I mean, this is not uh, just inner city. It's not just lower income. It's upper income. It's it's a smattering across the board. Um, and once they develop those confidences over the internet, and they've shared pictures and photographs and everything else, and they want to meet. Uh, sometimes these these traffickers are male looking for females. Sometimes they're females looking for females. Sometimes they're females looking for males. Um, and they can gain their confidences pretty quick. And then when they meet, all of a sudden, you know, they're, it's not like a traditional snatch and grab oftentimes. Right. It's build their confidence and then let's, let's leave. Let's leave the rest of the friends and family because nobody understands you like I do. That's the thing. That, that, that's really how they, uh, they get into the head of these kids is they, they lure them in with uh, certain, uh, certain questions. They talk to them on a certain level. And then they uh, eventually gain the confidence of of, of these kids. And uh, unfortunately, then that's when all the bad things start to happen. Um, We're talking with Jeff Green. He is on the board of directors with the Lake of the Ozark Stop Human Trafficking Coalition. What kind of assistance do you folks get? Um, Is there any assistance on the state level? Is there any assistance on the federal level uh, so that you can continue your mission to to try and bring awareness uh, to the community about what's going on? We've looked for, uh, I mean, there's a number of grants that are always available. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you haven't been in the grant world, the competition for grant money is, is just one of the craziest things you've ever been involved in. Right. Um, so there's money out there, but it's difficult to get a hold of it. Um, some of our local foundations, uh, local community foundation, um, usually provides us some funds every year. There's a number of other groups, um, the... Uh, Lake of the Ozarks Board of Realtors usually provides us a few dollars. Um, so there's a few groups around that will provide us every year a few mm-hmm. dollars. Um, we do a number of, of presentations. Um, I, I have done three already this year. Um, and those groups, when I go and make a presentation, will often provide, you know, a few dollars here and there. Um, so it's, it's few and far between, but we do the best we can. Yeah, and it seems like that's the biggest uh, that's the biggest holdup on a lot of different uh, things these days. Uh, there are a lot of groups and organizations who want to do good things for their communities. It's just a matter of securing the funding necessary. One of the things we talked about, and we've talked about with uh, the Lake of the Ozark Stop Human Trafficking Coalition, was the need to obtain a safe house. And so um, I know that's something that you folks are interested in doing, but you got to have all your ducks in a row before something like that can happen, correct? You really do. You know... When we originally started about six years ago, that was our primary focus, was to bring a safe house in. 
Uh, and let me help if I can take just a moment to explain a safe house. A safe house is an area that once a victim is, is uh, identified and is able to leave their trafficker, uh, oftentimes these ladies, young ladies most of the time, uh, have a number of problems, not only medical problems and, and psychological problems, uh, but they have social skill problems. They haven't had the opportunity to develop their skills. Um, and so between all of those kinds of things, we need to get them into an environment where they can get that education and training. And it, they need to be in a safe environment. When I say safe, I mean secure. Not that we're trying to lock them in, but we're trying to keep other people out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, is a, this is a big business for the mobs that are involved, and they'll come looking for their assets. Uh, and oftentimes will do anything they need to to either retrieve their asset or eliminate their asset. Um, and so we need to make sure that area is safe. We have looked at housing. Um, we've had a number of people that are interested in providing facilities. But one of our major concerns is we don't want to open up a, a, a safe house and a facility and not have the operating budget to continue to operate. Absolutely. So uh, that's, that's one of our primary goals is to make sure that we've got funding that will last uh, once we do open up and would begin operation. Safe houses are, are very, very, there's a high demand. Um, now that human trafficking is getting more and more attention, there's more women um, and men. Uh, we're, our focus has been on women. Um, mostly, um, but our, uh, there's more and more of these folks that need to move into a safe house, um, and they're limited. Statewide, they're limited, and nationwide, they're limited. So um, being able to bring a safe house uh, to this area would be beneficial. And a lot of times when you're talking, utilizing a safe house, you're talking about someone who is maybe from out of the area as opposed to somebody who lives here because that you know, you talk about keeping certain people out. Well, if you've got someone who's been involved in trafficking locally and that person ends up in a safe house, well, that that still doesn't give them the kind of security that you're looking for. So I know that they, they move people around to try and, uh, and, and make sure that this person is not in jeopardy of being pulled back in. Um, also, something else that I know that's relatively prevalent is when people come out of or they try to get their lives back together, if that's even possible in some cases, uh, the suicide rate is is really high among uh, people that have been through uh, sex trafficking. Yeah, the rate's very high um, because, you know, the psychological impact on these on these folks is, is tremendous. Right. Um, and they have a hard time believing that they are going to be able to cope and survive in, in the rest of the world. Um, not only because of just their skills and, and I mean, let's let's be honest, drugs are involved in all of these, so we've got that to combat also. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they have developed the, and they've been taught, they've been, you know, I hate to say beaten, but they have been extremely uh, psychologically impacted to believe that nobody's going to listen to them. Um, and, and part of the problem is, you know, these folks have had run-ins with law enforcement. I mean, most of the time they are uh, drug addicts. Uh, they may be delivering drugs for their traffickers. Um, prostitution is, is a, a normal kind of thing, so oftentimes their involvement with law enforcement isn't necessarily favorable for them. And one of the things we have also done, and I, I got off subject a little bit, but we have, we have helped provide training for law enforcement, right. and, and they're really coming up to speed. I mean, law enforcement is really starting to, to pick up the pace and, and understand this trafficking mentality but um so uh, 
it is difficult to to get all of the things together, the training, the education, um, the psychological needs to help these folks out. You really have to have, you know, you have to kind of be the jack of all trades if you're going to get involved in trying to help someone out because there's so many different uh, avenues that you have to pursue in terms of trying to get someone back to, if you can do that, you know, uh, uh, some sort of normalcy. Uh, you mentioned law enforcement and uh, the need to make sure that they are properly trained. Uh, and, and also the uh, the victims themselves uh, that have a criminal record. Um, I think there's been talk of maybe trying to expunge uh, those criminal records so that uh, these people, uh, wherever they end up, uh, if they do end up back on their feet, hopefully they will, uh, that they're able to get a job, be gainfully employed at some point. And that's tough to do with a criminal record. So, I mean, there's so many different aspects. And, and you know, as an attorney, obviously you realize – uh, the uh, the legal ramifications that these people can go through after the fact, um, but gosh, so many so many different avenues, so many different uh, things that you have to be aware of and be concerned about, and uh, again, it does take uh, quite a bit of money in order to make these sorts of things happen. But I think our goal here today is again to try to bring awareness to the fact that you know human trafficking, sex trafficking exists in this area. It's it's. I don't want to say, you know, uh, uh, very abundant, but, you know, considering it happens all over the state, all over the country, uh, yeah, it's something that folks need to be aware of. Uh, you know, if the everyday average citizen would like to uh, get involved with the organization, maybe volunteer some time or uh, be able to do something to help out, uh, what, what, what are some of the, the ways that people can, uh, can offer up their time, Jeff? Well, we have both a Facebook page, uh, and you can find us if you if you search on Lake Area Human Trafficking uh, or Lake of the Ozarks Human Trafficking, they'll all pop up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a, a web page uh, that's Lake of the Ozarks Stop Human Trafficking Coalition, um, and so you can find us in both of those places and contact us there. Right. Um, they're always welcome to call me at my office, um, and I'm located in Osage Beach. Um, and reach out to us um any of those ways of contacting us uh you know we'll we'd be more than happy to talk to them we are our our board meets once a month um this year the last couple years have been tough with covid Uh, we had to cancel all of our our coalition meetings just for safety purposes Uh, but we have once again started up our our coalition meetings we have a, a what's called a coalition meeting once a month which is where we try and get information out to um Anybody that wants to be involved, um, our next we just had one uh, last week. Our next one is going to be February, I believe it's, I probably shouldn't tell you because I have it wrong. <laughs> I want to say February 13th, but I'm not sure that. Well, if you go to the website, I'm sure that information is available there. It should be, yes. Okay. Well, I, I think that, you know, folks, if, if you're looking for a, an organization that could really use the help, uh, Lake of the Ozark Stop Human Trafficking Coalition, because as I said, we're, we're sitting here talking about uh, the many different aspects of what someone who is uh, is going through human trafficking, sex trafficking, has to endure. Um, sometimes they make it out, sometimes they don't, but for those um, that are discovered, those that uh, do have an opportunity to get away from it, uh, there's so much rebuilding that they have to do with their lives. And uh, Jeff's phone number, by the way, 573-348-0122, 573-348-0122. The, uh, the work is endless, and I, uh, several years ago, uh, through the organization here locally, I met a woman who 
had uh, been involved in sex trafficking. And while on the outside she seemed like, uh, you know, pretty normal lady, she had a lot of issues and a lot of problems, physically, emotionally, mentally. And uh, her journey, you know, to, to heal uh, seemed like a never-ending journey, but she was willing to come out and talk to people about what she'd been through so that you can truly understand um, what these people are, are willing to do to a human being in order to make money. And it's just, w- when you think about what the, what the people are going through and these people that are, are running the show, you, you just wonder to yourself, how in the world can you, how can you even fathom something like that? You know, it's uh, it's called modern-day slavery for a reason. Sure. Um, because that's really exactly what it is. I want to let our folks know, you know, we hear the word human trafficking. Uh, you see it on the news occasionally. I mean, January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Um, and, and a lot of people, you know, think, eh, how big a deal is this? Because we don't really hear that much about it. I'm going to tell you that <clears throat> with reliable information that I have, Human trafficking is the second largest criminal activity in the world, second only to drug trafficking. Think about that for a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, we're cl- we're, that includes firearms and, and anything and everything else. Second largest in the world. Um, so this is, this is not a, a minor issue. It's a major issue. Uh, one of the reasons it's a problem here at the Lake of the Ozarks, and if I get the opportunity to make a presentation to anyone, they'll hear this from me. We're right in the middle of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got major highways surrounding us. We're, we're a f- uh, and this is a great place. I mean, I love Lake of the Ozarks. I live here. Uh, this is just a wonderful place. Uh, you've got a private residence on the lake, uh, one of the few lakes in the country that we can actually have residents right up on the, on, on the water, on the shoreline, and enjoy it um, without having government oversight. And guess what? A lot of those are rented out, and and they can be rented out to anybody that's interested in paying for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's activities that go on there in those private residences that we don't know what they are. Uh, so it's an it's an easy place for this type of activity to occur, and it's not just local people. I mean, these arrangements are made in Detroit. They're made in New York. They're made in you know, Las Vegas, and they'll meet here. Um, and, and the trafficking that goes on is is abundant, and it's difficult to identify and stop. But the more we're aware, the, the better off we'll be. Jeff Green, I want to thank you uh, very much for taking some time. I know you're a busy man, but uh, we appreciate you taking some time to come in and talk about it. And please keep us in the loop. Anything that we can do to help you out and further the cause of the uh, Lake of the Ozarks Stop Human Trafficking Coalition, we'd love to be a part of it. Thank you very much. Appreciate being here today. Absolutely, sir. 8.30 is our time. Information coming your way. Stacy Johnson with LakeExpo.com, your trusted news source. And Chris Schneider with Lake TV. He has a check of sports. More coming up on The Daily Show here on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, January 25th. It never gets old, the sight of bald eagles at Lake of the Ozarks during the winter, flying down from treetops to hunt for fish, and now kids and adults alike can search for eagles using a mobile device combined with real-world experiences. Missouri Conservation has teamed up with Agents of Discovery to create a free mobile game. The app uses augmented reality to help users become outdoor detectives and discover nature.
You can complete challenges or mini-games to learn about Missouri's forest, fish, and wildlife. For more information, go to mdc.mo.gov. A Fulton woman was injured on Friday in a crash on Highway 17. 58-year-old Robert Schof was driving a 2011 Jaguar when the vehicle went off the road and hit a tree. 38-year-old Amy Crosby, a passenger in the vehicle, had moderate injuries, and the driver had minor injuries. They were both taken by ambulance to Lake Regional Hospital. The lake real estate market just continues to grow at an unbelievable rate, with real estate sales doubling in only two years. In 2020, lake real estate rocketed past the billion-dollar mark for the first time. 2021 brought even more growth, hitting nearly $1.5 billion. No one knows what 2022 may hold, but realtors say they don't expect this hot market to cool down anytime soon. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com lake news events boating and the lake life lakeexpo.com portions of the programming on key radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents second homeowners visitors and the boating community to the lake of the ozarks lake expo features real estate and boats for sale upcoming events at the lake and their exclusive boating club x-toe download the free lake expo app on the app store and google play lakeexpo.com the lake's trusted news source Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. College hoops tonight. Both Mizzou and the MSU Bears are busy. Mizzou Tigers uh, come off a loss to Alabama over the weekend. They're home to second-ranked and 18-1 and Auburn tonight. Yeah, that's not going to be an easy one at all for Mizzou, who has been up and down, mostly down all year long. MSU Bears come off a big win. They knocked off 22nd-ranked Loyola Chicago over the weekend on the road. Tonight, they're on the road to play Indiana State. The uh, Indiana State team just 8-10 on the season. Mizzou 14-6. Gonzaga has suspended NBA Hall of Famer John Stockton's season tickets because he refuses to bow down to the school's mask mandate. Stockton's number 12 jersey has been retired. They're at Gonzaga. Stockton described the conversation he had with the school as congenial but not pleasant. High school basketball this week. Most of the local schools playing at the annual Eldon Tournament. Of course, Eldon hosting their 91st annual Eldon Tournament. Osage is there. Versailles is there this week. Camdenton playing this week in Bolivar at the Liberator Tournament. Next live high school basketball game on Lake TV. Versailles and Osage. That is a week from Friday, February 4th. Again, that's on Lake TV. And you can see Versailles sales coach Jason Allison featured on this week's high school basketball coaches show on Lake TV every day at 10, 2, and 6. St. Louis Blues coming up short, losing last night at Calgary. They'll be at home Thursday against that same Flames team. Well, everybody's still in shock over the Chiefs' comeback win over the Bills in overtime Sunday night, 42-36. Looked like they had lost the game. They gave up a touchdown with 13 seconds to go, but Patrick Mahomes 
being Patrick Mahomes, found a way to bring him back for a game-tying field goal, and then they win it in overtime. So the Chiefs at 14-5 and on the season now will be at home against the number four seed Bengals. Bengals are 11-7, and and uh, kind of the upstart. Don't overlook these Bengals. They're really good. Remember, they beat the Chiefs in the second-to-last game of the regular season. So it's the Chiefs and Bengals Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock for the AFC Championship. Right after that, the 49ers will be at the Rams for the NFC Championship game. What a weekend it was last weekend. Every game coming down to the last second of regulation and, of course, the Chiefs having to go overtime to find a winner there. Hey, remember, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, 11 at night. Lake TV bringing you five local Lake Area shows. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and Fire Stick streaming live on MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. The artichoke heart is about peeling back the layers and getting to the heart of what really matters in life, parenting, faith, and wellness. You will find purposeful parenting topics, inspirational family stories, homeschool tips, book and game reviews, recipe and wellness posts, and so much more. Our three hosts are Ruth Harris, Maggie Butterfield, and Gretchen Peters. They can't wait to connect with you and share their hearts. Listen to The Artichoke Heart Wednesdays and Sundays at 6 a.m., 2 p.m., and 10 p.m. on Key Radio 89.3 FM. It's your daily dose of news, sports, weather, and more with KB on The Daily Show. Weekdays starting at 8 a.m., heard again at 4 p.m., and again at midnight on 89.3 The Key. 8.37, welcome back to The Daily Show here on Key Radio. We're at 13 degrees. Uh, I want to take some time to uh, talk to you a little bit about, uh, obviously, let's uh, touch on the weather forecast. We'll do that first, and then uh, talk to you about some other things that... uh, I've got coming up uh, over on uh, Lake TV. You mentioned uh, sports with Chris Schneider and, of course, talking about what's going on there on Lake TV. Uh, 30 degrees, the uh, high today. A low tonight of around 11 above. We'll see plenty of sunshine. Then for tomorrow, sunny and 36 with a low 27. Clouds and 44 on Thursday with a low of 23. Headed into the weekend uh, with some sunshine. High 34, low 21. We'll begin a bit of a warm-up. Saturday's high 47, low 31. Sunny on Saturday. Sunny on Sunday with a high of 47, a low of 27. Then Monday's high of 53, a low 40. 55 on Tuesday. And then 52, the expected high on Wednesday. 8.38 is our time. 13 degrees in Camdenton. Again, uh, taking a look at what's happening over there at Bagnell Dam. Current lake level at 658.71. River level at 553.48. Coming up on uh, my show over there on Lake TV, it's What's Burning. Hopefully you've been uh, checking that out. There's a variety of different ways to do it with the uh, folks over there at Como. Uh, Also, you can get one of those uh, uh, Roku deals. Uh, The the possibilities are endless, and you can check us out a variety of different ways. But uh, we've had some fun with this series we started with Bill Mulder called On the Trail. And we've had an opportunity to uh, look at some things locally and uh, kind of get the historic perspective. Of course, we started out at the Old Lynn Creek Cemetery, moved over to the Decaturville Crater. And then we uh, are going to feature a couple of episodes that uh, we shot over there 
at the Camden <laughs> County Museum in Lynn Creek, which was uh, definitely a lot of fun. And I don't know, a, a lot of folks just don't take the opportunity to explore the history of where they live. Uh, and, and I find that uh, opportunity, when it presents itself, is a great opportunity because you learn so much. And you learn about uh, not only the area, the history of the area, you learn about the people. And I think it gives you a better understanding how the area came to be uh, as far as where we are today. So I encourage you to check out uh, What's Burning. We'll have our first of the two-part episode of the Camden County Museum. Uh, it'll begin this Thursday. We've got the show going on at 7 a.m., 5 p.m., 11 p.m., and it is a lot of fun. I want to thank my uh, producer, Megan Albers, who has uh, been on the case helping me to uh, assemble the show. She does the uh, she does the majority, the lion's share, I think, sometimes of the work. I just show up and kind of sit there and try to look pretty on camera, which is pretty difficult in itself. Also, another series that we've been running with Tom Abbott from uh, Iron Eagle Tactical is this uh, Responsible Gun Ownership series, which I think really breaks down the uh, uh, the barriers, the walls, if you will. Again, we're hearing more and more about how certain states want to start implementing more uh, laws for gun violence because of uh, the fact that criminals are getting guns. Well, uh, be that as it may, you don't want to take the rights away from the law-abiding citizens. And there are plenty of us out there who own firearms and uh, would never even think about doing something illegal with the firearm. Through education and uh, training, I, I think a large part of what law-abiding citizens uh, do uh, puts the fear of God into criminals because, as is the case, uh, a lot of criminals these days don't know whether people are packing or not. Well, certainly in states where uh, they don't have the opportunity to do so because the state has come down on them for one reason or another, says you can't, you can't carry a firearm, uh, you'll hurt yourself, you'll hurt somebody else. We're here to protect you. Well, those are the same states that uh, are defunding the police in some of the major cities and uh, really trying to dumb things down so that the criminals get the upper hand. I think it's time for us to probably get a lesson from some of my friends in the uh, Second Amendment world, Dan Wass, Jan Morgan, uh, all people that uh, I've talked with before that are, again, law-abiding gun owners that want people to understand what the Second Amendment is truly all about. But we've had a lot of fun with that series with Tom Abbott, and thank Tom for his dedication to the cause. And certainly we had a lot of fun out at... Uh, uh, out at the range. I guess we were out at Ozark Outfitters and had a great time out at the range when we shot the series. So a couple of other reasons, and I know uh, coming up this Thursday as well, we'll have the opportunity to talk with Shana Abishan. And Shana is with the Share the Harvest Food Pantry. Um, normally around this time of year, food pantries are hit pretty hard. And so anything you can do to help, if it's a monetary donation or if it's volunteering your time, or if you'd just like to, uh, you know, buy some food and provide it to the shelter, uh, the, the food pantry, they would certainly appreciate any donations that they could possibly acquire. And again, uh, there's just so many great groups and organizations. It's, it's hard to be able to want to help everybody. But I think here at Key Radio, being a community-based radio station, we want to be able to do as much as we possibly can uh, to get out. Uh, the word about the great work that these organizations are doing. Bill Munhausen, any thoughts on uh, the Lake of the Ozarks uh, Stop Human Trafficking Coalition? Well, I, I, I think the thought, I, I did do a little research on it this morning, and it's, it's more complicated than, um, than we give it credit for, uh, because uh, I noticed there was an article in Springfield about uh, human trafficking, 
and mainly the situation there was more like of what you think of or the example they gave is more like you think of as traditional kind of prostitution. I think human trafficking the way I understand it is much more subtle than that. It's, it is like you were talking about in the first hour, a lot of people just starting up conversations and relationship with young people and, and hooking them in that way. It's, it's not like the lady who decides to be a prostitute, so to speak. Well, um, you remember, I don't know if, uh, I can't, it was, it, it was a series that they had on NBC, uh, it might have been Dateline, something like that, where sexual predators, they would set up scenarios for sexual predators uh, and lure the sexual predator to a home, and then they would have uh, maybe a young girl there waiting for the sexual predator, get the predator inside, and then the guy comes out, and he's got the news crew, and they're like, well, uh, what are you doing here? I mean, you know, you, you've been you've been communicating with a young girl. Uh-huh. Well, it, it was all a setup to get the sexual predator to uh, to come out of hiding. And then it's amazing yeah. some of the stories that these guys say, well, I just wanted to come out here and, and have some pizza and, you know, well, you know, why do you have these condoms? <laughs> why do you have this? Why do you have that? Uh-huh. And, and, you know, why would you, why would you need to be in contact with a, a 13-year-old girl in the first place? Right. So, uh, and, and, you know, the, the, these folks think that they're going to get away with something. And, you know, it's one thing to be exposed, but it's another thing to be exposed on national television. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. everybody who knows you sees you. Somebody, somebody in your family will see you or a friend will see you. And then the word will spread like wildfire. Yeah. I think the other kind of trafficking that we saw when we lived out in California is, uh, well. Labor trafficking. Yeah, labor trafficking. They bring people across the border, and they do it legally. But they would do it with the intent of pretty much forcing those people into working in the the farms and things to do do manual labor. And... uh, it was kind of a mutual ar- arrangement, but it was very opportunistic. The The people who came over as workers really didn't have a choice. They were poor people, and they were taken advantage of. So that's the other kind of trafficking that's taking place in America. Well, there's that, and the fact that a lot of these people are taken from their homes in Mexico and forced into labor trafficking, and then they're given, well, you know, when you get to this particular point, well, then you're off the hook. Well, uh-huh, that's yeah. not... Necessarily that, that point never comes. Yeah. Huh? yeah, there's mm-hmm. always a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and it's a shame because uh, I think to some degree we've created that problem ourselves because a lot of these jobs that they're looking for people to fill are jobs that we don't want to do. We don't want to pick fruit. We don't want to pick vegetables. We don't want any of that. Yeah, we, and, and nowadays even the good jobs we don't want to do. Well, and absolutely, <laughs> it's which, getting worse, which creates better. an interesting <laughs> concern. I mean, yeah. what? How do we have to cater to people? What what do we have to do to, you know, I don't know if you want, if, if entice is the right word, but uh-huh. you want to be able to, you know, open a business, you need people to uh, work at that particular business, and yet you just can't get employees to show up. And when they do show up, maybe they're, uh, you know, they're, they're soured by the type of job it is or, or what they're required to do as part of this job. And so then they say, well... I can just sit on my behind and, and collect unemployment or whatever is necessary. Uh, it, it, it's rather puzzling, but I think, again, it's a situation that we've created ourselves because we've catered to people. We constantly want to coddle them, and as we've talked about before, you know, everybody gets a participation trophy. Well, now we see what participation trophies do to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've always thought uh, when I lived in California that the real solution to what was going on there was to help Mexicans be more prosperous. You know, uh, the United States pays millions and millions, maybe billions, trillions. Sure, well, at least billions. Overseas to, um, to gain influence, I guess. And I think a great testimony would be to to kind of partner with Mexico and help them to improve their economy so that their people wouldn't have to run across the border. You know, in reality, I think, you know, or in theory, I think that's a good idea. But in reality, unfortunately, there's so much corruption in Mexico that starts at the top down. Yeah, you're right. And I have a lot of theories. (laughs) Yeah, well, but I mean, we would like to be able to see it. You would think if you can improve a country's economy, that essentially it would benefit all the citizens. And but it would benefit us because it would end the trafficking between the two countries. Oh, well, I don't know. It uh, would reduce it, let's say. There are people out there that don't really care about sort of that, that sort of thing. Their mind is set on one thing, and that's making money. And if they've got a viable way of doing that, then I think regardless of what you do to the economy, they're going to continue. Because, I mean, you would think our economy, for the most part, is one of the stronger economies in the, in the, in the world. And yet we have human trafficking going on right here and uh, throughout other areas of our country as well. So even though we're trying to do good things for the economy, there's still people out there who know they can make uh, good money by utilizing someone uh, for labor purposes or, more importantly, for, uh, well, I, I say more importantly. I shouldn't, I shouldn't categorize it, but for sex trafficking as well. And sex trafficking is huge. I mean, with, with uh, all the various things that they do, um, and, and, you know, how would, when, when you think about it, basically using an individual like a piece of meat, uh, and then when you're done with them, I don't know, what do you do? You just let them go. I think in most cases they use them until they're all used up physically, emotionally, and mentally. Uh, like I said, I met a woman who was involved in, uh, sex trafficking and all the, she, she talked she she wouldn't get into detail on the air because you never know who's listening. But, you know, she basically said, you know, uh, in a generic version what happens. But then she told me about some of the stories in detail off the air. And to think that someone is being utilized in such a way and being put through what they're being put through and no one gives them a second thought. And then if they try to get out of it, uh, the, the consequences are unbelievable because... I think in in some cases they won't harm the individual, but then they would threaten the individual's family. Mm-hmm. Here's a quote that kind of points out the um, complexity of this situation. It says, "For for people that are homeless, or for people that don't have a job or need something, that's a vulnerability. And if there aren't resources to help them meet that, then one of the things that traffickers look for is a way to swoop in and say, "Hey, I can meet this need for you. You just need to do this for me." Uh-huh. And it opens up that whole can of worms. Do we, do we as a society and, and through government provide resources for people who are homeless and don't have a job or need something and keep on satisfying that need instead of the traffickers? Well, here's the, here's the issue right here, okay? We're rolling out the red carpet for all the illegals to come into this country. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we've got a homeless problem that is just mind-boggling. Absolutely. So they don't want to address that problem or they address it but not on the level it needs to be addressed and so the sex traffickers they see an opportunity there and they're going to take full advantage of it i mean if you were homeless living out of your car or living who knows where and somebody came along and say offered you a 
roof over your head, uh-huh. warm clothes, a meal, and maybe other things like booze or drugs. And it was a true step up from what you'd been going through previously. Would you take that? Would you realize the uh, the consequences that come with something like that? Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think there's anybody who could sit here and say yay or nay to that. It would have to be up to the individual to be the one who decides what direction they'd like to go. Well, I remember when I was in college, this was back in the 60s, early 70s, uh, several of my friends <coughs> were in, were involved in things like nude modeling and and prostitution and that was the way they worked their way through college mm-hmm. but that was back in the very beginning of the sexual revolution when everything was considered open and even intelligent young women um, saw an opportunity they were entrepreneurs you might say and it wasn't it didn't take long we, we I saw that in everything in the 60s whether it was you know the use of marijuana or, or whatever it didn't take long for the opportunists to come in and never say, does yeah we can we see what you're doing we can figure out a way to make even more money uh, at this and we victimize a lot of people in the process and you know i think again you, you look at something uh, like uh, 9-11 and all the opportunists that uh, came in to uh, to make money off of people saying you know we're with this organization we're collecting oh, yeah. money for that organization and you think to yourself how in the world can somebody do it well somebody who has no conscience to begin with and doesn't care and sees this as an opportunity to make money, uh, they're going to roll on past the uh, what, what the event's all about and, and find new and creative ways to get money out of people. You know, I got a, a letter from the RNC yesterday, the Republican National Convention, and it had pictures of Donald Trump all over it. So I'm supposed to help them because they're, you know, like behind Donald Trump. Well, if they had been behind Donald Trump, we wouldn't be in the fix we're in, you know. They're just opportunists too. It's it's opportunism has become mainstream. Everybody does it. It's not just these unscrupulous criminals. Sure. Yeah. It it just it kind of encourages criminality when some of our uh, people in power behave in unscrupulous ways. I could say all the people that have been busted for promoting the masks, but yet not wanting to wear them or being caught out in public without them, you know, and, uh, and so they were talking about, uh, this, uh, college basketball team or, or the college where this pl- team plays revoking, uh, this guy's season tickets because he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't adhere to their mask mandate or their, you know, uh. He revoked his tickets. Yeah, they re- no, he didn't revoke. They revoked, they revoked his tickets. Did they pay his was, money back? I would, I would <laughs> imagine you almost have to. Yeah. Or, or, or unless, you know, that's why you always have to read the fine print, Bill. Sure, you do. <laughs> yeah. Eight fifty four, and coming up in the nine o'clock hour, we're going to talk with a local resident. Her name is Melissa Sunbloom, and we're going to kind of continue on with our uh, uh, human trafficking theme for this morning. Uh, don't forget on the program tomorrow, we'll uh, pull Ike Skelton off the bench, get him warmed up, get him in here for two hours. We'll uh, talk to Mindy Sales coming up on Thursday in the 8 o'clock hour. I don't uh, give a specific time because, uh, you know, you never know what's going on with Mindy. She's got 50 animals to take care of. Mm-hmm. Danny Ellison is going to join us, the educated redneck, in the 9 o'clock hour to begin things. Then on Friday, we have uh, Senator Bill Eigel, who's going to be joining us uh, about 8.10 until 8.30 to talk about what's going on in Jefferson City. He works closely with another organization that we feature on this uh, on this program, and it is the uh, Concerned Women for Missouri. Uh, I'm sorry, Concerned Women for America of Missouri. Right. 
Just have to You're write it down. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. Then we'll, uh, we'll also talk with uh, Tim Gatlin from the uh, uh, Missouri Department of Transportation, MoDOT. He works uh, just up the road from us here at the Camdenton Shed. We'll find out what's going on uh, here locally. And also, uh, a good opportunity, folks, if you see something that uh, is uh, not to your liking or something you're concerned about, when we get our representatives on from MoDOT, it's simple to pick up the phone and call us at 573-633-5395. 573-633-5395. That is our number. And our phones are up and uh, running and working and everything's good. We got that all hammered out yesterday with the help of Misty Atkinson from uh, Victoria Station. Thank mm-hmm. you, M- Misty. Uh, she is one of our underwriters and uh, provides support, much like you can do to uh, Key Radio. Also, we'll wrap it up. I saw the, uh, I received the uh, most recent uh, edition of Among the Dogwoods from uh, our, our, our friend, Mr. Dave Moppin, who will uh, wrap things up for us on Friday. And then we've got a little surprise coming up, and we're not going to let the cat out of the bag just yet. We'll probably give you a couple more days to uh, to chew on that before we actually let uh, let you know what's coming up. 8.56 is our time. So the uh, conversation around the lake area at this point is that Aldi and Hobby Lobby are uh, expected to open this year. That is uh, the latest we're hearing. And, of course, the folks over there at lakeexpo.com have been all over this story, and they provide us with information, and we appreciate it. So, uh, again, just to quote what's going on here, Aldi and uh, Hobby Lobby's arrival at the lake have been on the horizon for some time, and many have started to wonder, when will these stores open? Lake Expo reached out to the company's corporate offices to find the answer. Hobby Lobby has exciting news to share, saying, They uh, expect to be open by the spring, and at this time they're uh, confirming that in their Osage Beach uh, location. Estimated opening is March 2022. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with weather. Um, And then they are excited to confirm the opening of the first Aldi Lake Ozark uh, Missouri store later this year. Looking forward to uh, serving the Lake of, uh, of the Ozarks. Uh, and providing them the best grocery shopping experience. Uh, we will ha- uh, reach back out once uh, they have more information. This is from Rob Jeffries, the Aldi uh, O'Fallon Divisional Vice President. So they are coming. They still have uh, uh, they still have the intent of getting uh, setting up or uh, getting set up there rather. Do they have construction underway already? I haven't been over there in a while, so uh, okay. I'll have to go by and check. I've got to run through Osage Beach uh, today. As a matter of fact. Uh, right across there from uh, where they're planning on putting up that Hobby Lobby. All right. So I'll see. Okay. Uh, I'll you know. Last time I went by there, they had this mountainous pile of gravel. I, I mean, remember that. Yes, it was I huge. saw that. Mm-hmm. It was a huge pile of gravel, uh-huh. which led me to believe: how in the world can they get a, a, a you know the dump truck? The <laughs> it, it only goes so high. Uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe they were putting it in. They were unloading it with a crane or something. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, it was an impressive, very impressive pile of gravel. Almost made me want to stop and run over there and climb up uh, on yeah. the on the uh, pile of gravel. We had to do a show on scams one day. Why I, not? I have this scam that I'm getting every few days. It's, this one is from Lily. Lily 5202. You can tell that's official. And it says, we are renewing it for you. They're renewing a Geek Squad um, subscription for me for... That was nice of them. Isn't that nice of them? So about maybe once a week I get these things. 
and it says to call them back if you disagree and i'm sure they just want to call you want you to call them back and give you some information you know so uh, there's all kinds of scams like this around mm -hmm. and um the way i s filter them is to see if the email actually has a domain and it looks uh -huh. like it's from the real company because otherwise i'm getting these emails uh you know lily 5202 is a typical one makes you wonder why they think that would be a a tricky thing i don't know they're the scammers so apparently uh, whatever they're doing is uh something uh, that they think might work yeah today by the way is speak up and succeed day uh, also, uh, Observe the Weather Day, National Plan for Vacation Day, National Florida Day, Opposite Day, here's a favorite, National Irish Coffee Day, and it's also Burns Night. Burns, Burns Night, Night honors the Scottish poet who wrote the New Year's uh, anthem, O Lang Syne. So there yeah, you go. There you go. Time for us to bust out with some information. We'll come back. Melissa Sunblum is uh, going to be our guest. We'll talk more about human trafficking. Right now, Stacy Johnson joining us from LakeExpo.com to continue to provide you with some uh, good information. And also, Mr. Chris Schneider with Lake TV. He's got a check of sports. We've got plenty uh, coming your way on The Daily Show. 13 degrees and a mostly clear sky on the Midwest coast. Business, government, religion, family issues, and more. Find it all right here on 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, January 25th. It never gets old, the sight of bald eagles at Lake of the Ozarks during the winter, flying down from treetops to hunt for fish, and now kids and adults alike can search for eagles using a mobile device combined with real-world experiences. Missouri Conservation has teamed up with Agents of Discovery to create a free mobile game. The app uses augmented reality to help users become outdoor detectives and discover nature. You can complete challenges or mini-games to learn about Missouri's forest, fish, and wildlife. For more information, go to mdc.mo.gov. A Fulton woman was injured on Friday in a crash on Highway 17. 58-year-old Robert Schof was driving a 2011 Jaguar when the vehicle went off the road and hit a tree. 38-year-old Amy Crosby, a passenger in the vehicle, had moderate injuries, and the driver had minor injuries. They were both taken by ambulance to Lake Regional Hospital. The lake real estate market just continues to grow at an unbelievable rate, with real estate sales doubling in only two years. In 2020, lake real estate rocketed past the billion-dollar mark for the first time. 2021 brought even more growth, hitting nearly $1.5 billion. No one knows what 2022 may hold, but realtors say they don't expect this hot market to cool down anytime soon. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com lake news events boating and the lake life lakeexpo.com portions of the programming on key radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents second homeowners visitors and the boating community to the lake of the ozarks lake expo features real estate and boats for sale upcoming events at the lake and their exclusive boating club x-toe download the free lake expo app on the app store and google play lakeexpo.com the lake's trusted news source 
Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. College hoops tonight. Both Mizzou and the MSU Bears are busy. Mizzou Tigers uh, come off a loss to Alabama over the weekend. They're home to second-ranked and 18-1 and Auburn tonight. Yeah, that's not going to be an easy one at all for Mizzou, who has been up and down, mostly down all year long. MSU Bears come off a big win. They knocked off 22nd-ranked Loyola Chicago over the weekend on the road. Tonight, they're on the road to play Indiana State. The uh, Indiana State team just 8-10 and 10 on the season. Mizzou 14-6. and 6. Gonzaga has suspended NBA Hall of Famer John Stockton's season tickets because he refuses to bow down to the school's mask mandate. Stockton's number 12 jersey has been retired there at Gonzaga. Stockton described the conversation he had with the school as congenial, but not pleasant. High school basketball this week. Most of the local schools playing at the annual Eldon Tournament. Of course, Eldon hosting their 91st annual Eldon Tournament. Osage is there. Versailles is there this week. Camdenton playing this week in Bolivar at the Liberator Tournament. Next live high school basketball game on Lake TV. Versailles and Osage. That is a week from Friday, February 4th. Again, that's on Lake TV. And you can see Sales coach Jason Allison featured on this week's high school basketball coaches show on Lake TV every day at 10, 2, and 6. St. Louis Blues coming up short, losing last night at Calgary. They'll be at home Thursday against that same Flames team. Well, everybody's still in shock over the Chiefs' comeback win over the Bills in overtime Sunday night, 42-36. Looked like they had lost the game. They gave up a touchdown with 13 seconds to go, but Patrick Mahomes, being Patrick Mahomes, found a way to bring him back for a game-tying field goal, and then they win it in overtime. So the Chiefs, at 14-5 and on the season now, will be at home against the number 4 seed Bengals. Bengals are 11-7, and and uh, kind of the upstart. Don't overlook these Bengals. They're really good. Remember, they beat the Chiefs in the second-to-last game of the regular season. So it's the Chiefs and Bengals Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock for the AFC Championship. Right after that, the 49ers will be at the Rams for the NFC Championship game. What a weekend it was last weekend. Every game coming down to the last second of regulation and, of course, the Chiefs having to go overtime to find a winner there. Hey, remember, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin K.B. Burns. 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, 11 at night. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and Fire Stick streaming live on MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. She's a former Camdenton resident, Hollywood actress and pop culture expert. Tina Griffin helps parents safely navigate the current pop culture chaos. Know how to create a healthy media diet for your family and live as a counterculture warrior. Listen to the Counterculture Mom Show Fridays and Sundays at 5 a.m., 1 p.m., and 9 p.m. on Key Radio, 89.3 FM.
happy to be the lake sounding board. Community radio for the Lake of the Ozarks. It's 89.3, the key. All right, it is 9.08. Thanks for joining us right here on Key Radio and The Daily Show. We should be hearing from Melissa Sunbloom here shortly, uh, talking more about uh, human trafficking. Uh, we spoke with uh, Jeff Green, who's on the board of directors last hour with the Lake of the Ozark Stop Human Trafficking Coalition. Uh, again, if there are folks out there who would like to uh, be a part of this program and help out in terms of uh, volunteering or raising uh, awareness, you can go to Stop trafficking lake ozarks.org stop trafficking lake ozarks.org they're on uh, facebook as well uh, you can call jeff directly at 573-348-0122 we have got uh, quite a bit going on uh, for the rest of the week as well and we'll uh, kind of fill you in on that a little bit later on right now looking at uh at weather forecast as we have it 30 the high 11 the low plenty of sunshine uh, during the day, partly cloudy uh, tonight, sunny and 36 tomorrow. Clouds in 44 on Thursday as we head into the weekend. Uh, mostly sunny in 34, 47 with sunshine on Saturday. Looks like uh, 47 and sunshine on Sunday as well. Then we'll get into the low to mid-50s Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Currently sitting at uh, right about uh, 14, make that 13 degrees. 13 degrees with a mostly clear sky in Camdenton, Missouri. And uh, the temperatures vary. It seems like overall the warmer temperatures are to the south and southwest. And then there's kind of a swath through mid-Missouri where we are at, uh, as I said, around 13 degrees. And then, of course, uh, we will also uh, be looking at some other areas uh, where the wind chill is actually below zero. So we uh, are happy to be in a nice heated facility here at the Key Gathering Place and uh, enjoying uh, what is going on. Right now it is at 9.10, and uh, we have the opportunity to speak with Melissa Sunbloom. Uh, Melissa, good morning to you. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing very well, and thank you so much for taking the opportunity to call in. Uh, we've kind of set aside this day on The Daily Show to talk about human trafficking, and, uh, of course, we were uh, glad that you took the time to reach out to us here, and so we wanted to schedule an interview, and I was speaking earlier this morning, Melissa, with Jeff Green, who's on the board of directors for the Lake of the Ozark Stop Human Tra uh, Human Trafficking Coalition, and he said that uh, boy, they could use uh, maybe uh, some some help if you're interested, and I can put you in contact with them uh, after we complete our interview. But as far as things go, let's get a little background information on you this morning. Sure. So I am originally from the Wisconsin area. Um, I learned about human trafficking while I was in college. A professor came up to me and suggested, Melissa, you should get involved. And I think this is right down your alley. And so I reached out to the organization that she suggested, and I met with a director there. And I also did street outreach um, after going to their drop-in center a few times. And it became a heart cry of mine, especially coming from a background of trauma myself. I understood, I understood where they were coming from. And so my heart kind of leapt out for them. So that was where it started. And it kind of grew after that. Um, I found out that I actually, it was closer to home than what I could ever possibly imagine. And uh, it was 
happening to a friend of mine who I had known for quite a long time and spent many hours with and had a suspicion that something was off, but I kind of ignored it because she went to a Christian college and it didn't fit my perspective of what trafficking looked like. And um, when I was involved with this organization, I called her and I said, I'm so excited to tell you this. She goes, Melissa, I have something to tell you. And then she proceeded to tell me that she had been trafficked since she was five years old. And um, she'd been trafficked that entire time that we were talking. And my life kind of changed after that. And my perspective about what trafficking looked like completely changed. It was not what we see in the movies. It's not a, you know, a pimp dressed in those clothes or women dressed in certain attire. It's not like that at all. It's completely different, and that changed my perspective. And it gave me a desire and a hunger to make sure that I was an, I could bring awareness and I could advocate and I could help in any, any area possible. And so that started it. And then I had the opportunity to be able to work hand-in-hand with Redeem Our Children, and I'm currently working with them through Maryland, and that is an honor as well because the founder there is also a survivor and has an amazing story. Um, and I work hand in hand with them. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Well, that's actually a lot about you. And you mentioned the fact that you uh, had a friend who you didn't even realize was being uh, was being trafficked. And And one of the questions I was going to ask you when I heard you mention it is being involved in some of these outreach situations uh, without naming names, uh, I guess, can we talk about this person who was a friend of yours and, and you didn't even realize this person was, was, was involved in sex trafficking because there weren't the obvious signs. You mentioned a pimp, you know, and, and we've seen on TV, you know, how, how the pimps dress in, in, in very loud clothing. Um, you also talk about uh, the fact that maybe, you know, there's also a certain stereotype of someone involved in sex trafficking that would dress like, say, for example, a prostitute. But obviously that's right. not always the case. And I think maybe it's probably because they want to keep it under the radar. They don't want it to be that obvious so that nobody catches on. And you don't really know, I guess, in your particular situation, uh, Melissa, uh, that you didn't even know your friend was involved in it. And at such a very, very young age, five years old, I mean, oh, my gosh, that's that's just unbelievable in terms of 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 what they would do to a five-year-old. I mean, think about that for just a minute. Try to put that into into context. And I just don't think, you know, you can wrap your brain around something like that. I know it was really it was really difficult. Yeah, she um, she was trafficked um, through her family and then out through different gangs. And um, yeah, it didn't fit the perspective at all. She dressed. uh, She did dress. She was covered up a lot, but um, I just figured that was her style. I, I it was a very conservative Christian college, and so I just thought, well, that's just how she is. Um, but there were certain signs that I, I didn't pick up, I, I shouldn't say that I picked up on, but I ignored because it didn't, it just didn't fit. Um, like she was more isolated and she kind of kept to herself and she was quiet. Um, and she, she'd only talk really, we would always talk really late at night. It was like one or two in the morning, super late. Um, and I, 
I felt honored to have those times because I could just tell her that she was just pouring out. Everything was just pouring out of her. And it didn't look the way I wanted it to. Um, it didn't look like a, a, a woman dressed in skimpy clothes. She wasn't like that. She she loved the Lord very much. She she uh, she seemed very grounded and very foundational. And it didn't it didn't appear the way I wanted it to. And so it was really hard for me to accept it at that moment. But I have to say, when she told me, I, I knew something inside of me just knew. I knew this already, but I wasn't ready to accept it. And I, I think that's how so many people feel. Um, I've, I've talked with many people that say, just like I'm sure people here in this area say, oh, it doesn't really happen near me. You would be really shocked. You would be really shocked to see that it really does. It's probably, um, it could be your neighbor next door. It could be a, 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 a student at a school. It could be a friend that you've known for a long time. I mean, there are just certain things you just got to pay attention to. You got to pay attention to their behavior and, and how they interact with people and um, even how they're dressed sometimes and their schedule. There, there are certain things to look out for. And so, she didn't fit those things at first, and then um, I just heard more of her story, and it was heartbreaking, and I found that it's much more common that, than people think that families traffic their own kids, and, um, and there's, there's also kidnapping, and then there's also um, enticement with relationships, which she also was a part of as well. Um, so it's just, it's, it's different than what, than what we perceive. And we have to remember that it's not going to fit into our bubble or perspective. It would seem to me that she's never really had a life of her own. She's never had an opportunity uh, to be her own person, starting as early as five years old and, and basically being used in any way, shape, or form that uh, they thought was necessary in order to, uh, in order to make money. And, uh, again, there's another aspect of this that I don't think a lot of people realize and understand that people traffic their own children. I mean, wrap your brain around mm-hmm. that if you possibly can. It, it, it just mm-hmm. doesn't even seem fathomable that somebody would traffic their own children. And it happens like anything else. Uh, we were talking about this uh, last hour that opportunists, obviously, they exist on all levels. I mean, there's people out there that uh, mm-hmm. try to lure uh, these, these kids into sex trafficking. Uh, you know, they see uh, a, a viable means of making money. Uh, they don't care about the person. They make it seem as though they care, but they really don't. They're just looking at this person like, uh, uh, you know, uh, like you would look at a machine that uh, makes a particular product. Uh, that's basically, you know, if, if you want to compare, it seems to me like that would be a good comparison. And then, you know, to find out about this over the years and, and, uh, you know, somebody who, and, and I said, someone who's more of an introvert, somebody who is a little bit more laid back, is quiet, keeps to themselves. Maybe they don't have a whole lot of friends. Uh, maybe they're easily targeted for that very reason because uh, they don't have a lot of friends and they're they're looking for a, a friend, just somebody to talk to. And that's where the sex trafficker or the person who's sent out to groom someone for the sex trafficker is able to uh, uh, find an in with this particular person, something uh, that they think they have in common with them. Or I don't know, the uh, uh, the opportunities may vary. Uh, we're hearing more and more about uh, how some of the obvious signs 
Melissa, aren't necessarily what we should be looking for. And I know that there's uh, there's training that's involved, um, but you know we've talked about different instances where, uh, you know the the girls that were in the uh, the home in Ohio for all those years in that man's basement, no one around him, that lived around him even suspected what was going on, until one of the girls uh, was able to get loose, and get to the authorities and expose what had been going on for years. I mean it, it's mind-boggling, uh, with that particular situation. But that sort of thing exists in this country, and you would think uh, the country that we live in, uh, that we love, uh, that you know, we wouldn't have issues or problems like this. But uh, it obviously exists, and it, uh, it, it it's not. Uh, how do they say? Uh, it, it, it doesn't discriminate. Anyone and everyone uh, yeah. could potentially be yeah. involved in in sex trafficking at some point. Yeah, that's totally true, and. Um, yeah, I think your guest had said um, that it's the second largest industry, and it, it is. It, it flips between the second and the third um, between drug trafficking and, and, and human trafficking, and you're, you're totally right. It doesn't look the way we want it to look, and there are multiple people that are involved. And I think um, especially being a Christian, it's so important to see it this way that um, the even the traffickers, just like the the survivors that come out of trafficking, they're broken and they're hurting too, and they've experienced trauma and pain, and uh, they've they've been through the ringer as well. And so we have to recognize that they they've seen how to behave, they've seen how to operate, they've watched people above them that they've they've watched their behavior and go, okay, that's what I have to do too. That's what I know to do. And um, we have to change that perspective. We have, to, we have to start recognizing that we have to change the cycle and the mindset and the perspective in our churches and our communities um, about what really truly matters and bring it back to the importance of family, bring it back to the importance of, of raising our children in the church and knowing who they are, knowing their identity, knowing that they're loved and they're accepted, because that is a huge, huge factor on both being a, you know, being a, a survivor of trafficking and a victim of trafficking and being a trafficker themselves, because that's what they know. So that's a different perspective, and, and we have to look at it that way, too, especially in our communities. We, we have to change that first. If we can change that perspective, we can change that mindset. If we can change the fact that, th- that we are loved, that, that these kids are loved, that they do matter, that they are accepted, and that their identity is worth, they don't need to go out looking for it somewhere else. You mentioned a, a, an interesting uh, perspective from the, the point of view of the trafficker, because we think more about the person that is trafficked than we think about the trafficker. But maybe at some point the light comes on for that person and they realize what they've been involved with and how they've you know just destroyed so many lives over the years. Have you ever had a chance to talk with anyone that has been in that position and uh, if so, did they show any remorse? Were they uh, were they at all concerned uh, about what they'd been doing, about what they'd been involved with, about all the lives that they've destroyed? So I haven't personally. I've 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 watched documentaries and I've watched um, tra- former traffickers talk about it. Um, and yeah, they say you know 
they get into it knowing that it's wrong, knowing that it's, it's not really what they should be doing, and they actually are uncomfortable at first. Many are. Um, but the money is so good that they stay. And so it kind of forms a hard callus around their heart so they can't see it the way that we would see it. You know, we, we think it's horrific and horrendous, but they kind of just build up a normalcy to it. And so it's amazing to hear them when they're changed by, by the power of God and how they, they change their perspective and they say, I don't want to do this anymore. And they, they then go out and reach other traffickers and say, you don't have to do this. You don't have to stay in this cycle. And we also know that um, many traffickers, I think the statistics are like 80% or higher, um, that traffickers that were in domestic violence situations or they were had a father who was a pimp. And so that's what they saw and that's what they knew. And so they had to break that cycle. Um, and that's a huge, that's a huge deal. Uh, we need, we need to recognize that as well, that we have to break that cycle and that mindset and recognize that they don't have to sit in that normalcy. It's not, it doesn't, it isn't normal. It isn't, it isn't healthy. And there is a better, there is a better perspective. There is a better relationship you can have there. It's amazing because you touched on something that, uh, I think is rather interesting and I think is is very true in this day and age that, you know, and, and it has always been the case that, you know, our kids kind of follow our lead, what, whatever type of person we are. Obviously, that influence is, uh, is, is going to rub off on our kids as well and how they perceive things in life. Um, I don't know that, uh, well, you know, your friend that was involved in uh, in sex trafficking, their parents were trafficking them so um maybe initially that was just they they thought that's how things went that's uh how the game they thought the game was played and so i don't necessarily know if they went along with it if they had any issues or any problems if they developed any uh any you know mental or emotional problems along the way i'm sure that there's times and situations where uh, you know, they had to question being put in that particular uh, situation for one reason or another. But, uh, you know, if it's your mom and your dad that are telling you that uh, that's acceptable behavior, uh, as a child, being as influential as kids are, uh, maybe there was uh, something that uh, your, your, your friend just didn't see anything wrong with it. That was, you know, how she'd grown up since uh, uh, she was five years of age. But also addressing the fact that the way we bring up our kids in this day and age with uh, the lack of morals and all of the uh, different things that people are trying to put in our heads and in our kids' heads, obviously. And it really kind of centers around uh, the education system, how the education system, as we, we've said for years, is trying to indoctrinate as opposed to educate. And I know you homeschool your kids uh, with maybe that yeah. very reason in mind. Yeah, um, I actually um, had the opportunity to work in in private schools in in Milwaukee. Um, well, I I have a master's in professional counseling, and so I had an opportunity to work in those schools and to hear the differences between public schools and and private schools and and what they teach and what they say over kids. One thing that that those schools focused on was identity and acceptance and love and knowing who they are in Christ, 
knowing that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them, knowing that they can walk in those things and that what the world says over them isn't what God says over them. And that was a powerful distinction because our schools don't always teach about that. They they kind of frame it in a, in a weird way, um, and there's a confusing and a twisting that goes with it. And so we have to remember as parents and as communities and as churches to be able to say, let's bring it back to what Scripture says. Let's bring it back to what God says. Let's teach our kids. Let's pour into our kids about identity and who they are in Christ and the authority that they walk in, because then they're going to be grounded. Then they're going to know how to how to face. And when people come and say things to them, they're going to be like, no, I know who I am. I know that I am loved and I am that Jesus Christ died for me. They're going to know those things. And I, I started to see that even in my own practice um, where there were kids that were starting to see, wait a minute, that's what Scripture says over me? It really does, because I would point it out to them. I had the opportunity to do that because I worked with a Christian agency, and um, we would go to Scripture, and I would point it out in Scripture to them. This is who you are. This is what God says over you. And it was amazing to watch because their behavior started to change because they didn't have the perspective that they had. They had the perspective of, of what God said over them. They had the perspective of their identity in Christ. And that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. It's a, it's a game changer. Melissa, we uh, need to step aside. Can you stick with us here for uh, a few minutes? Yeah, of course. Okay, well, I'm going to uh, jump in real quick. We've got to take uh, a quick break, get in some uh, local news, get some information out, and to take a break, we'll come back and talk some more with Melissa Sunbloom talking about uh, human trafficking on The Daily Show here on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, January 25th. It never gets old, the sight of bald eagles at Lake of the Ozarks during the winter, flying down from treetops to hunt for fish, and now kids and adults alike can search for eagles using a mobile device combined with real-world experiences. Missouri Conservation has teamed up with Agents of Discovery to create a free mobile game. The app uses augmented reality to help users become outdoor detectives and discover nature. You can complete challenges or mini-games to learn about Missouri's forest, fish, and wildlife. For more information, go to mdc.mo.gov. A Fulton woman was injured on Friday in a crash on Highway 17. 58-year-old Robert Schoff was driving a 2011 Jaguar when the vehicle went off the road and hit a tree. 38-year-old Amy Crosby, a passenger in the vehicle, had moderate injuries, and the driver had minor injuries. They were both taken by ambulance to Lake Regional Hospital. The Lake real estate market just continues to grow at an unbelievable rate, with real estate sales doubling in only two years. In 2020, Lake real estate rocketed past the billion-dollar mark for the first time. 2021 brought even more growth, hitting nearly $1.5 billion. No one knows what 2022 may hold, but realtors say they don't expect this hot market to cool down anytime soon. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com lake news events boating and the lake life lakeexpo.com portions of the programming on key radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com 
LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. College hoops tonight. Both Mizzou and the MSU Bears are busy. Mizzou Tigers uh, come off a loss to Alabama over the weekend. They're home to second-ranked and 18-1 and Auburn tonight. Yeah, that's not going to be an easy one at all for Mizzou, who has been up and down, mostly down all year long. MSU Bears come off a big win. They knocked off 22nd-ranked Loyola Chicago over the weekend on the road tonight. They're on the road to play Indiana State. The uh, Indiana State team just 8-10 on the season. Mizzou 14-6. Gonzaga has suspended NBA Hall of Famer John Stockton's season tickets because he refuses to bow down to the school's mask mandate. Stockton's number 12 jersey has been retired. They're at Gonzaga. Stockton described the conversation he had with the school as congenial but not pleasant. High school basketball this week. Most of the local schools playing at the annual Eldon Tournament. Of course, Eldon hosting their 91st annual Eldon Tournament. Osage is there. Versailles is there this week. Camdenton playing this week in Bolivar at the Liberator Tournament. Next live high school basketball game on Lake TV. Versailles and Osage. That is a week from Friday, February 4th. Again, that's on Lake TV. And you can see Versailles sales coach Jason Allison featured on this week's high school basketball coaches show on Lake TV every day at 10, 2, and 6. St. Louis Blues coming up short, losing last night at Calgary. They'll be at home Thursday against that same Flames team. Well, everybody's still in shock over the Chiefs' comeback win over the Bills in overtime Sunday night, 42-36. Looked like they had lost the game. They gave up a touchdown with 13 seconds to go, but Patrick Mahomes, being Patrick Mahomes, found a way to bring him back for a game-tying field goal, and then they win it in overtime. So the Chiefs, at 14-5 and on the season now, will be at home against the number 4 seed Bengals. Bengals are 11-7, and and uh, kind of the upstart. Don't overlook these Bengals. They're really good. Remember, they beat the Chiefs in the second-to-last game of the regular season. So it's the Chiefs and Bengals Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock for the AFC Championship. Right after that, the 49ers will be at the Rams for the NFC Championship game. What a weekend it was last weekend. Every game coming down to the last second of regulation and, of course, the Chiefs having to go overtime to find a winner there. Hey, remember, KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin K.B. Burns. 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, 11 at night. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. You can see Lake TV on Como Channel 90, free on Roku and Fire Stick streaming live on MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. The artichoke heart is about peeling back the layers and getting to the heart of what really matters in life, parenting, faith, and wellness. 
You will find purposeful parenting topics, inspirational family stories, homeschool tips, book and game reviews, recipe and wellness posts, and so much more. Our three hosts are Ruth Harris, Maggie Butterfield, and Gretchen Peters. They can't wait to connect with you and share their hearts. Listen to The Artichoke Heart Wednesdays and Sundays at 6 a.m., 2 p.m., and 10 p.m. on Key Radio 89.3 FM. It's your daily dose of news, sports, weather, and more with KB on The Daily Show. Weekdays starting at 8 a.m., heard again at 4 p.m., and again at midnight on 89.3 The Key. 9.37, welcome back to The Daily Show. We've got uh, about another 23 minutes left of the program. Quick update on the weather forecast. 30 the high today with some sunshine. 11 for the overnight low, back up to 36 for the high tomorrow in a sunny sky. Clouds and 44 on Thursday, sunny and 34 on Friday. Getting into the weekend, we'll get into the upper 40s. Sunshine on Saturday and 47 the high. Sunny on Sunday and 47 the high. Then we'll uh, kind of gravitate toward the low to mid 50s Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday before dropping back into the mid 30s. And then it looks like 40s for the rest of next week into the weekend. Where are we this morning? Well, we are uh, hitting right around 15 degrees here in Camdenton, Missouri. Probably a little uh, maybe warmer or cooler where you're at. Uh, we do know that the wind chill kind of has an effect on things as well. That wind uh, out of the north at about 7 miles per hour. Not really pushing uh, the temperature in terms of wind chill at this particular point. 15 degrees, as I said. And uh, again, final check of some stats over there at Bagnell Dam. Lake level at 658.71. River level 552.91. And again, uh, uh, the drawdown last hour was pretty significant. Discharge, if you will. Uh, which uh, leads to the drawdown. So I would imagine that the uh, uh, annual drawdown for the Lake of the Ozarks is uh, underway, and you probably want to keep that in mind uh, for any number of reasons. Coming up on the program uh, here a little bit later, following the Daily Show, let's uh, run down the lineup. We'll get to the Missouri Liberty Report with John Williams. Jennings Journal, we've got some new episodes uh, featuring Becky Jennings. Also, Schoolhouse Rocked. Counterculture uh, counter Mom with uh, Tina Griffin, a former resident here of the Lake of the Ozarks. We'll also get uh, your Ed Choice chats in the uh, 2 o'clock hour, 10 o'clock, and then uh, we run those at 6 a.m., so they've uh, probably already been on for today. And then Faith, Family, and Freedom will round out the programming that we will rebroadcast starting at 4 o'clock and then again at midnight. 9.39 is our time. Let's bring back our guest. Her name is Melissa Sunbloom, and and we've been talking about uh, human trafficking with Melissa for about uh, the last uh, 20 minutes or so of the uh, 9 o'clock hour. We started our conversation about uh, 10 after, and we're going to continue that conversation with her up to the uh, top of the hour. And she has been involved uh, with human trafficking on a lot of different levels, was initially asked by a, uh, a professor in school to get involved. She did so. It piqued her curiosity for a lot of different reasons, including a friend that she had no knowledge was actually involved in human trafficking on a, a pretty uh, serious level, being human trafficked by her own family. Uh, and then she has, uh, has kind of taken it uh, uh, to heart to uh, make sure that our uh, kids uh, in this day and age, even parents, 
uh, know what to look for. And Melissa, let me uh, again thank you for joining us uh, here this morning. But uh, again, uh, as far as education, that seems to be the key with a lot of this, knowing what to look for, because as we discussed earlier in the hour, uh, the signs are not as obvious as most people would think. Right. Right. You're totally right. It is, uh, it's education and it's knowing, knowing triggers and knowing, um, knowing things that traffickers look for, knowing the vulnerabilities that traffickers look for. And that's why it's a huge, it's hugely important even, uh, as churches and, and Christians, we, I think your guest talked about before that it really isn't a non, it doesn't discriminate, discriminate against any person or, or type or, or class. It doesn't. And so we have to understand um, as Christians that we have to change the perspective of how we see things and walking in the identity and knowing that there's acceptance and love and that they are loved and they're valued and they're worth, because that is a huge targeting factor that traffickers, traffickers look for is vulnerabilities and feeling as though they want that attention. They want they want to be accepted. They want to be loved. They need their needs met. They need a physical need met. They need a spiritual need met. met. They need a physical, um, a psychological need met, excuse me, or an even emotional need met. And so that's a huge, huge way of looking at it as well and recognizing who is vulnerable and who is not. When we talk about vulnerability... Uh, something that uh, maybe uh, as parents we don't pay attention to with our kids because our kids are on social media quite a bit. Uh, you know, whatever method that they uh, decide to, to use, whatever uh, way they, they get on uh, social media, if it's Facebook, if it's Twitter, uh, there's a lot of other uh, uh, more revealing methods uh, to utilize as far as the types of social media that are out there. And the traffickers are just basically sitting on the sidelines waiting for uh, someone to uh, to say something, uh, maybe mention something in a comment that is is a trigger for them to uh, try and, and reach out to that child. Um, and, and I know as parents, you know, sometimes we don't always spend as much time as we should being involved in the lives of our children for one reason or another. I mean, uh, if both parents work. Uh, you know, parents are involved in in a lot of different things, but at the same time, we want to be able to try and protect our children as much as we possibly can. Um, as, as far as methods that you have found, uh, you know, acceptable, because I, I'm sure, you know, you don't want to kit, cut your kids off from uh, the world. You want them to be able to see and be exposed to uh, what's going on in the world. Uh, but uh, are there specific methods that you use to try and uh, and watch where your kids go as far as social media is concerned, and maybe some things that other parents can keep in mind as well? Yeah, I think that's a that is a huge deal. Traffickers use um, all forms of social media and all the different apps that are out now, um, and knowing having a good relationship with your child communicating with them, giving them a safe place to be able to share those those times because uh, you'd be surprised at talking with moms that had kids that were trafficked. They didn't have any clue, um, but there were situations in their family life that were going on and they were reaching out into in other areas instead of to their parents. And so creating that open environment to be able to have 
formulate communication and to be able to have that trust is huge. And recognizing as a parent where your kids are, what social media they are using, and who they are talking to um, is a huge, huge thing that parents need to do and be aware of. Do you... uh is there some give and take in uh, the relationship between you and your children when it comes to social media? I, I mean, sometimes if we tell kids, you know, I, I was a kid once, you were a kid once, we were all kids once, and sometimes when we were told not to do something, it piqued our curiosity to the point that we just had to do it. So rather than making it sound like it's a standing order, you can't do this or you can't, you know, look at this uh, particular social media or whatever, do you have a little give and take in there? I mean, do you look at where your kids are at and say, you know, this is acceptable, but, you know, this is questionable, and then this is like something that's maybe high, highly restricted? I, I, I don't know how to handle that because I never my, – my son uh, w- was at an age where he, he – social media didn't play a big role in his life. Right. No, yeah, my my kids are younger, but yes, I have worked with a wide variety of kids and, and ages, and I would say that it is about give and take. It is about recognizing and communicating with them and explaining to them, because a lot of kids don't even realize what they're getting into and what they see, especially in Facebook and all these different, um, different ways, TikTok, all of these different apps that they have, um, traffickers watch and they monitor and they they find those weak links and so i think it's important um as parents to communicate with them and say these this is what's really going on we have to be honest with our kids we have to let them know what they're facing because our world is different though in our age and in in many years ago this happened it just wasn't as open as it is now they're a lot more brazen Mm. and so we have to understand how to communicate with our kids and tell our kids this is what's going on. This is, this is a concern I have and communicating and leaving that open because I've heard more than not from parents that go, I didn't even realize this was an issue and kids going, I didn't even know this could happen. Um, because they don't know, they, they think that they're just friends. We, we, we live in a social media kind of world where our kids want to reach out to people and get to know people, but it's different. We know that that's not always the case, that their intentions aren't always good and they're not always to be friends or to create a social environment, but to do other things as well. And so as parents, we need to understand that too and communicate that to our kids because they need to know what's going on so they can also be aware and watch for those things as well. You know, one of the things that I look at and try to understand is how do we get people involved in this? How do we get people to realize and understand it does exist in our own community, and how to get them to maybe take the blinders off to some degree and and, and, and really find out what they can do uh, to help out. And, and even if they don't want to get involved, at least to know what some of the signs are from the education perspective. Um, that seems to be the most important thing on a variety of different levels as parents as just uh, people that live in the community. I mean, we don't necessarily have to have children if we suspect something is going on. What are some of the signs that we need to be looking for? Where is law enforcement in all of this? And, you know, like like I have been uh, talking about with different people in our community, the state of Missouri uh, has finally been getting on board with this. And do, you know, 
Does the state have a responsibility to reach out to people? I don't think so. I think it's more uh, the citizens who need to have the education so that they can notice certain things. Because, again, it all goes back to what is typical versus what is not so typical. And, you know, uh, again, to the surprise of so many people when they find out that there's human trafficking going on uh, in their community, they're blown away by it. They're, they're just, it, it, it's staggering to understand or try and understand what it is that, that we're talking about here. But truly, education is the key in all of this. Right. Well, and it's also like what you're doing, like what you're doing today, um, talking about it, talking about it, because you'd be surprised as even family members of mine were like, oh, this doesn't happen. And they live in small towns and they were like, this doesn't happen. Well, after we started talking about it, after we started having dialogue about it, they started seeing it in other places that they were like, wow, I didn't even realize. But it's because they had blinders on. So they weren't seeing through through those eyes, they were seeing, they, they were like, oh, that doesn't happen. Well, I can't see that. So when you talk about it, when you discuss it, when you bring it up to light, that brings people to look and to be able to see, okay, how can I be more observant in my community? How can I be more observant in my area to see these different things? And sometimes it's just really weird behavior. Um, I know in Wisconsin, we've had numerous situations where it was just odd behavior. Um, one time, we were, my family and I were driving um, home from the Milwaukee area, and there was this car that had stalled, and he had kids in the back that were um, probably my kids' age, which were about eight at the time, um, and some were like 12, and, and some were teenagers. And there were a lot of women in the car. They were just all girls. And um, the behavior was odd. She said, well, I just pulled the key out of the ignition and the car just stalled. And we were like, okay, this is odd. We, we called the police and we said, this is what's going on. And the guy contacted my husband because he had given him a contact information if he needed help with anything. And, um, and he proceeded to then um, try to solicit my husband to, to buy one of the girls that he had in the car. And so when we called the police department, they were like, well, we don't see this very often. We aren't, we're not really sure how to handle this. And that's a huge thing, too, is that, yeah, as community, we, we need to be aware of what's going on, and we need to be able to be observant and aware of our surroundings and in our area and in our neighborhoods and even in our schools. Um, we need to be aware of, our, aware of those things. But our, our law enforcement also need to be aware and know how to deal with it when we bring it to them and say, this is a concern I have because um, there are times when, uh, especially in one small town in Wisconsin, there was a person that recognized and called the police and said, um, I'm pretty sure that there's a, uh, a, a stable, I don't know if he used that word, that's usually what they call a place where they keep um, traffic people, traffic women and kids. Um, and they called and the police were like, oh, I'm sure it's nothing. They went and the guy said, oh, no, nothing, nothing's wrong here. We're perfectly fine. And he came back because he realized it was odd behavior because they were coming home really early in the morning. And there were all of these kids and they were isolated. They weren't communicating with neighbors, um, but they were gone. 
because they recognize that, okay, we're in trouble now, so we have to move. So we have to also train our law enforcement as well so they recognize and know what to do and know where to reach out. And we also have to recognize that sometimes law enforcement um, is involved as well. And so we have to recognize that as well and knowing who to communicate with and who, who not to. And that's a hard that's a hard one that I'm still working on because, um, and I know from talking with many survivors, they say, you know, we know, we know where to, we know where we can find a John. We know, we know who they are and we'd be surprised as to who we find and what the names that they say, even the positions that they carry. And so I think that's a huge part of it as well as recognizing in our community and raising up, um, police officers and law enforcement that value and care about that issue and will be trained to be able to deal with it in their communities as well as the community members. I think, uh, Melissa, it's safe to say that, you know, like anything, there are good and there are bad. Uh, and when that, uh, we can talk about that, that uh, is certainly something that I would imagine, uh, you know, if uh, these sex traffickers don't want any problems, they don't want any issues, uh, they can get to someone in law enforcement and pay that person off and uh, have that person look the other way. So, uh, you know, people uh, come to them and say, well, listen, I think we might have an issue or a problem, and let me describe what I've seen. And essentially they would uh, would discount it. They would say, nope, not really any need to worry about it. You know, it's it's not what you think, uh, and, and, and try to, to play it down. And, and also something that I think would make sense, uh, if you were a trafficker, is that you wouldn't want to be involved in an area. You wouldn't want to be somebody who lived, let's say, in Camden County. You would probably want to be uh, someone who operates out of the area, so it might be a little tougher to uh, to follow the trail and track you down. I think that, uh, uh, you know, we were hearing uh, some stories about how uh, these folks uh, operate uh, in places like Detroit or maybe St. Louis or uh, out on the West Coast or, uh, you know, anywhere, Florida, wherever. And that's their base of operations, and they just use this area as a hub in order to yep. groom more uh, cur- uh, more kids into uh, sex trafficking. And, and, and then that, that way it's essentially really hard to track them down and, and hard to follow them. And, and when you think about the effort that they put into it, it 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 almost it almost makes me think that gosh wouldn't it be great if these people put the same kind of effort into doing good you know i mean as far as yeah uh, being being responsible human beings and 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 taking all of the things that they're doing uh to to harm people and satisfy themselves uh, financially uh wouldn't it just be off the charts if they could uh, use use their uh, capabilities for good rather than evil. But, I mean, there's so many different things. And when we talk about uh, these folks that are the actual traffickers, um, they have no real morals or scruples or uh, any soul and, and until maybe at some point something happens that flips the switch and they realize all the things that they've been doing uh, are wrong. Let's talk. Uh, we've got about five or so minutes left uh, in the hour. Uh, let's talk a little bit about people that you've maybe had the opportunity to talk to that have actually gotten out of sex trafficking uh, one way or another. They found a, an out themselves. Somebody was able to help them out. Um, what are we talking about in terms of 
uh, if you want to use recovery as as the word to describe uh, what what happens to them after the fact. And 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 I know some of them don't ever recover. Some of them uh, end up committing suicide because they feel so horrible. But uh, for for people that you've met and had a chance to maybe work with and and uh, try to get them back to some normalcy in their lives. Yeah, um, I most of the people that I have talked to, um, it was supernaturally, they were supernaturally rescued, um, that God kind of, inter- God just intervened and, and, and gave them an out. Um, the one friend I was speaking about, she was, um, she was rescued twice. She was pulled out twice. She was pulled out once by law enforcement, and then the second time she was supernaturally rescued um, the Lord showed somebody where she was at and, um, they came and got her. And the, my, the founder of Redeem Our Children, she was also rescued supernaturally as well. Um, a law enforcement officer actually ended up, um, purchasing her, um, and (laughs) rescued her. It was a, it was a family friend. And so, and then I, I've heard that from numerous friends of mine where they were just supernaturally rescued. And there were some that there were a couple I've, I know that didn't actually make it out. But for the ones that did, um, it was a lot of counseling. It was a lot of um, um, a lot of them had just enca- encounters with the Lord and recognizing and healing, deep healing um, the my friend who who was trafficked since she was a child, she was in um, counseling, Christian counseling, after she was rescued, and actually now she breaks every statistic. She's married, um, and so is the, the, um, the founder as well. She's married as well. And so God is just so good in how he restores. Now, I know that's not always the case, but we found, according to research, even when I was in um, grad school, finding that Christian programs that put Christ in also trauma therapy in their programs were the most successful. They were 95% of their the women that came did not go back into human trafficking, did not go back into sex trafficking, and actually are living amazing lives and, and beating statistics that we would see in psychology as being impossible. Um, so there is hope. And I think it's just a matter of recognizing what's important and what's needed. And like I had said before, it's so important. It's so important that they have the biblical foundation of, of, of Jesus and knowing that he loves them and knowing their identity through him because he he's the ultimate Abba Father. He's the ultimate, you know, um, husband. He's that, he's that role model, and he he is the perfect husband and the perfect father. You know, we have earthly fathers and earthly husbands, but God is just above it all. He's just, he's, he takes that role right. to the, to the T. And so I think that's really important that that's, that seems to be a huge factor in recovery. And a lot of the people that were trafficked, even um, before we have programs, some of the programs that we have, they were Christian based, organizations and that's where it seems to be where we find the greatest success um 
according to research and what I've what I've experienced myself. Melissa, I want to thank you for uh, taking the opportunity to spend some time with us this morning. Keep in touch. I'd love to have you back and talk some more. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And thanks to you for tuning in today. We're back in your ears. Uh, well, we'll uh, join you uh, tomorrow morning, 8 until 10, right here on 89.3 K.